Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? My name is Morgan Colby. Rick Lemon is not here, as you can see. Conflicting schedules do not allow us to record this episode together. I believe because of conflicting schedules again, either Rick or I will be doing a uh, a uh, mock draft episode on Sunday is when the release date would be. So um, we apologize for the lateness of these episodes, um, but we've been keeping you up with, uh, with the TikToks and the, and the YouTube shorts, so make sure you check those out. Um, today, we're going to talk about our top three riskiest running backs in fantasy football for the 2022 fantasy football season. It is fast approaching. Uh, this weekend is week three or two, however you want to look at it, of the uh, preseason, which means that we have one more weekend uh, of preseason football after this, and then the next time you watch football, it will be the real thing. Um, but I am very, very excited uh, about the games coming up this weekend and the games coming up next weekend. Uh, but I'm more excited about the NFL season starting. Uh, we are in the nitty gritty of drafts, draft month uh, right now. And this is the ADP that we're going to reflect back on at the end of the year. So you're starting to see the real reality of what uh, these certain players are going to end up being, um, and we've been talking about for months and months and months, if you've been following us, you know, what these ADPs would look like here now in August uh, as we start doing these these drafts and, and we start doing mock drafts, best ball drafts uh, for redraft. Um, and, and it's just, it's getting more interesting by the day to see how things are perceived. Certain players moving up boards because they look great in the preseason. Certain players moving down boards because of reports. Um, you know, I try not to get too hyped up into that, but I'll talk about that in a second. Before we jump in to the podcast, check out our website, fantasygymnasium.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok on all platforms. Just type the FF Champs and you'll find us. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platforms, please leave a review. It would be much appreciated. Um, it's the best way to support the show. And then share, uh, share this podcast with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, comment down below any questions you may have, or... Uh, if you have a running back that you have, uh, you don't have a ton of shares of, that you don't have a lot of opportunity, uh, or you don't have not not opportunity, you don't have a lot of uh, 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 roster percentage of this particular of a particular player. So leave that in the comments. Um, we are going to jump into the top riskiest running backs uh, right now, and I think I talked about this on the the last show with Rick. Where you know the riskiest running back position is always, uh, I mean the not the riskiest running back position, the riskiest, uh, pos- uh, the riskiest players to draft this series of shows that we're doing. Um, it isn't really related to busts because I I think that any player can be had at a certain ADP. Uh, if if there's a player that's getting drafted way too high, uh, then obviously that makes their ADP bad, and it's not going to be a guy that I end up drafting a lot. Um, I don't have a lot of Leonard Fournette for that reason. Uh, 
So it's it's not that Leonard Fournette's going to have a bad year. He's going to be a bad player. He's not on this list, by the way. Um, but it's definitely a, a person who, um, you know, I wouldn't be drafting at his ADP. But everyone is draftable, even the players that you don't like, like DK Metcalf, for example. He's a player that you can draft, uh, you know, in the sixth, seventh round and be totally comfortable with that. If he jumped up into the fourth round, I would be a little bit more like, okay. So every player, despite the opinions that people have of them, um, is draftable. Uh, just outright saying, oh, I'm not going to draft this guy is how you end up in situations where you don't win. You don't have league winners and different stuff like that. So I think uh, measuring the value of a player is more important than just outright saying a player is a bust or not bust. Uh, a lot of people talk about their bust shows and that a player is going to be a bust. And we used to do that in the past too. But I think it's safer to be uh, honest with certain situations and be like, everyone everyone is worth drafting at the right price. And these guys, uh, they might be good draft picks. They might be bad draft picks uh, at the end of the year. But they are the riskiest players. They could be guys that have the highest reward possible if they smash, but they have the most risk attached to them, which essentially means that they have a better chance of failing than they do succeeding. And so that's what we're going to talk about on today's show uh, is the top riskiest running backs in fantasy football for 2022. Let's jump in with our number one guy. And I don't know if Rick agrees with any of these. I didn't really share them with him, so... Uh, if you're if you're listening, Rick, too bad. Uh, so the first guy is is James Conner, and I know, I know, I know. James Conner just came off a great season. Um, you know, he finished as a top five running back in PPR. Uh, you see Chase Edmonds leave, right? And they didn't really replace. Uh, Chase Edmonds with anyone. They have N.O. Benjamin there. They have Daryl Williams, who they brought in. Um, so it's like there's not really anybody there that's going to compete fully uh, for the opportunities that James Conner, you know, that, that he's basically going to inherit. So I think a lot of people are looking at James Conner as a potential uh, breakout kind of not breakout because he's already been good and he was a top five running back last year, but a potential top running back that you can get in the you know beginning of the third round and not a horrible investment. And I've been going back and forth all offseason on James Conner, and I don't like his ADP. Like if he was a fourth or fifth round pick, I'd be more on board with his value. But right now, it takes a late second, early third round pick in some PPR leagues to get James Conner. Um, and there's some, there's some situations that you have to look at. I think, you know, just jumping into the analytics and the statistics from last season, there's one massive statistic that stands out 752 rushing yards, 375 receiving, receiving yards. So basically 1100 all purpose yards, you know, 110 fantasy points right there. Um, he had 37 receptions, which pads the stats in a half PPR format. That's about 16 to 17 fantasy points. Don't judge me for my math. Um, so, like, in, in those contexts, you have, you know, what 126 fantasy points right there, just on last season. Those 126 fantasy points are just yards, receptions, receiving yards. If you look at that 
and and uh, early in the offseason, we put together um, a statistical list with all of the numbers and all of the stats that players end up accumulating and try to take away touchdowns and try to take away receiving yards to see where a player scored their fantasy points in fantasy football, right? You know, if you have rushing yards, receiving yards, and receptions, and you put those all together and you get 126 fantasy points, that's not great. Uh, I mean, there was a game last year where I think Christian McCaffrey scored 30 in PPR, 30-plus in PPR, and didn't score a single touchdown. So, uh, like, James Conner didn't get his fantasy points from rushing yards, receptions, and receiving yards. He got it from total touchdowns where he nailed 18 into the end zone. I think that, to me, a football team with a quarterback that likes to rush the ball and a team that... They're good, but they're trying to get some different guys involved. Is going to, I, I mean, the belief that James Conner is is going to go out and repeat an eighteen touchdown season is a little bit far fetched for me. And even if you believe that he's gonna, because he did have two hundred and thirty touches, if you believe that James Conner is going to get two hundred and thirty touches again, then I don't think that's horrible. Because if he scores six seven touchdowns, then it's all right. But I think the massive risk here that you see with James Conner is twofold. It's one, he carries a lot of injury risk. His career has been plagued by injuries. And I don't like making, I, like, I make fantasy football decisions about injuries if they're based in the preseason. A guy I've really liked drafting lately, uh, late, late in drafts is Mia Cole Hardman. You never know who, which, Mel, Mel Cole, I don't even know his name. But Hardman has been late in drafts. He's one of the he's the third wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs, and there's a chance that somebody ascends into a high level role there. And I like taking shots in the later rounds. I don't think that was a bad pick, and it's still probably not a bad pick. But he did get injured the other day, and I slowed down drafting him because of that. So you know, watching injuries in the preseason and in training camp is important because they do affect the player as the as the season you know wears on. So, uh, you know, if you end up with hamstring injuries uh, and stuff like that, those linger and they affect the player's performance during the season. Um, they're practicing every day. They're playing games every day. They, I mean, uh, they're playing games once a week, sometimes on short weeks, three or four day rest, and they're practicing every day. And these players end up, you know, getting injured more often than not if they have a lingering existing injury that they sustained in training camp. So I typically for injuries, watch out for guys that get hurt in training camp, but I don't like projecting a player based on injury, you know, and, and a guy like Derek Henry makes me really, really nervous because of that. You know, there's an injury risk there. Like the guy has played so many games in a row. He gets 400 carries when he's on the field. Like at some point the wheels are going to fall off the guy. And somebody's going to get disappointed because Derrick Henry get got hurt, and you have to factor that in. So I think one for James Conner, it's injury risk. He has a history with injury. If they give him more than 230 carries, 240 carries, uh, or 240 touches even, I think that the wheels will fall off for him. I think he'll end up getting hurt, and then you'll be disappointed that you drafted James Conner in the middle or later in your you know in the second or third round of your draft, relying on a player like that. Um, 
And then I think that there's a massive regression projection here at the touchdown position because I don't think he's going to get an increase in rushing attempts or receptions or yardage and receiving yardage. Like, I don't think he's going to get an increase in all of those. If he has a decent season, then there's a good projection that you could say that he ends up with, um, you know, I don't know, 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 receiving yards. I mean, uh, rushing and receiving yards together, all-purpose yards. And if he does that and he scores five touchdowns, you know, he ends up being a running back that gets 100 and, you know, 160, 170 fantasy points, which is not horrible. But I think it's a disappointment for your expectations that are set for, for James Conner. Uh, so I think there's going to be massive touchdown regression, which is going to hurt his, his production. Um, and then the final thing is, uh, is strength of schedule. Right now, James Conner... Uh, currently going at ADP of, um, geez, I don't have the ADP in front of me, but his his strength of schedule on Fantasy Pros is rated as a 2.8 on, uh, I believe, it is a top five worst schedule according to um, PFF. So for, for a guy like James Conner, who people anticipate, they want him to have a better season this year, I don't think the small amount of opportunity that he would garner from Chase Edmonds leaving affects anything. I think he decreases in the touchdown total significantly. And I think he ends up burning a lot of people. Um, That would be my projection for him. But I think those are all the risks you carry, right? And I think if, you know, you get into the regular season, he ends up playing really well. You know, there's a chance, yeah, that he could be good. But right now at his ADP, he's an extremely risky pick. And if you're adding James Conner to your roster... Um, I would be a little bit concerned going into the regular season. Number two on the list is Josh Jacobs. And, uh, you know, it's a little less of a risky pick, uh, you know, at his ADP currently. He's going off the board at pick 72. So it's not like it's a horribly bad, you know, draft selection where you're like getting killed. Last year, RB12 had a decent season. Um, obviously the offensive systems changed right now on fantasy pros. He's ranked as the running back 24. So, um, I think the, the ADP doesn't really, um, to me, it doesn't really garner a lot of worry. Like, especially if, if you really on sleeper, uh, Josh Jacobs, ADP is 48. So, you know, in best ball leagues, obviously farther down the board at 72, that's much more like it. Like if that's where we end up in two weeks, I'll be happy with Josh Jacobs at 72. Right now on Sleeper, if you're doing a draft in a PPR or half PPR league, he is pick 48 right now, which is basically a fourth-round pick. And if you're investing a fourth-round pick on a player, I'd rather do it on Cam Akers if he's available or Travis Etienne if he's available. I'd rather not touch Josh Jacobs at at that fourth-round ADP. So if you're picking at the turn at the end of you know the fourth round, uh, that would be a guy that I would target. I, I, that wouldn't be a guy I would target. I would target the younger, more talented running backs, especially if you have to wait 18 picks for your next selection. So back to Josh Jacobs' main conversation, though. What makes him What makes him specifically risky? The offensive system changing, to me, makes him a little bit more risky of a player. Um, last year, you know, he had 217 rush attempts, 54 catches, around 1100 to 1200 you know all purpose yards nine touchdowns so he had a he had a decent year ended up as the RB12 I don't see his touchdowns increasing uh 
and I also don't see his rushing yards and receiving yards increasing, and which is why you've seen the ADP drop. But I think there's a real chance. You know, Josh Jacobs carries some real risk because of the new coaching system. And, you know, I don't really take anything from the preseason game where Josh Jacobs really didn't play. Like, that wasn't something that I was super-duper concerned about. Um, super-duper, that's a stupid phrase, but... Uh, but Josh Jacob, you know, like that, that, so that's my thing though, is like, is like Josh McDaniels coming in. It's clear that he wants to use multiple running backs, it, you know, from what he said, uh, in press conferences and after training camp practices, it sounds like, you know, he likes Jacobs, but Zamir White, he likes Jacobs, but Kenyon Drake, he likes Jacobs, but insert running back here. Uh, and, and so I don't know that Josh Jacobs, I mean, who knows, maybe Josh McDaniels uses him like Damian Harris last year. He becomes a bulldozer and that's his ADP. He performs at what his ADP is right now. And he scores, you know, a bunch of touchdowns, doesn't get a ton of yardage, doesn't get a ton of receiving yards or rushing yards, but he scores in the end zone because that's how Josh McDaniel runs his system. I think there's a chance of that happening, but Josh McDaniels seemingly loves to get multiple guys involved. Uh, and I'm more concerned about the fact that Josh Jacobs is going to lose. I don't think he loses the red zone opportunity. I don't th- think he loses the rushing opportunity that he had last year. I'm more concerned about the fact that Josh Jacobs is going to most likely lose his pass catching work to one of these younger running backs. And because of that, it's going to carry uh, Josh Jacobs into the abyss of fantasy football. And so, I, you know, the, the change in coaching staff makes him a little bit more risky. And then when you look at, you know, the injuries that he has sustained, you know, the last couple years, he's played 13, 15, 15. So he's been on the field, but he's also been a guy known for, you know, having to miss some time. You know, last year he missed two games. The year before he missed one game. The year before that he missed three games. So, you know, he's been consistent, you know, High-end R- in PPR, he's been a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 in some instances. You know, he's not a bad running back. Um, but I, I'm i more I'm, I'm nervous about what Josh McDaniels is going to do. And, and he hasn't sounded infatuated with Josh Jacobs as training camp has rolled along. So that would make Josh Jacobs number two most riskiest running back. Uh, if his ADP goes up to 72 in the next couple weeks, like it, the underdog ADP has him at, I would... I might take that, but um, obviously I think he carries some risk and there's some problems there that you need to associate. The third and the final guy is a guy that I have loved from the beginning. I projected him as a breakout. I love this player. So this is hard for me. And you know what? Because I love him, I'll probably draft him and I'll overdraft him. But it is Antonio Gibson of the Washington Commanders. He's been basically a top 12 running back in fantasy football uh, for the first two years of his career. Last year, RB10 and PPR. um, RB10 and PPR. I think he was RB12 the year prior in PPR. And a lot of people looked at him as, you know, having the potential of having an, you know, elite, uh, you know, elite rushing upside. 
with the ability of having, you know, a large, I mean, last year he touched the ball 258 times through the year, 42, uh, through, uh, 258 on the ground, 42 through the air, uh, just over 1300, you know, rushing and receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, so he's been consistent. He's been good. You know, he's put together some really solid seasons. Um, but right now there's some real concerns about Antonio Gibson. Um, there is a couple of guys in this backfield. Last year, Gibson got basically all the work, right? McKissick got hurt. Gibson got all the work. McKissick is back. They draft Brian Robinson, right? Those two guys, I didn't believe Robinson would be a factor until the stuff I heard from training camp. The stuff I heard out of, you know, out of uh, what's his name's mouth? The head coach. And the stuff that I've been hearing and seeing out of camp is really concerning. And my risk radar for Gibson has risen quite significantly. Um, now his ADP is is not bad. I don't I don't think I don't think you know Antonio Gibson's ADP is all that horrible. Um, uh, never mind. On sleeper, it's forty six, so he's right around the same vicinity as Josh Jacobs, maybe a little higher. On, you know, he's eighty something on uh, underdog. So you just got to keep that in mind in your drafts. But that carries so much risk, and like I'm not interested in Antonio Gibson in the f- in the fourth round um, or higher at this point, just because of what I don't like to buy camp hype. But you know, you can say one thing what you're actually doing on the field is a whole other. And what Gibson has been putting on the field at this point um, is is not great. So uh, Antonio Gibson played in the game. He rushed four times for two yards, adding a two-yard catch as his only target in a preseason loss to Carolina in the first week of the preseason. Um, he had a hamstring injury, but uh, he has been participating in team drills. And I, I like I said, you got to watch the hamstring injuries for players and, and among other injuries. Um, and then Sam Fortier from the Washington Post reported that Antonio Gibson has been practicing with the commander's punt team and their third string offense. Um, in the preseason game, Robinson came in got a goal line touchdown, I believe. Um, and I'm not, and he actually, in this same practice, Brian Robinson got the first team reps. Gibson consistently in practice has been getting second to third team reps all training camp. And I don't know if this is an effort for the team to make sure he doesn't get hurt. I don't know if it's an effort to change out, you know, maybe some of the schemes in the punt game. I, I don't know. I don't know what is causing Antonio Gibson to play with the third team offense and the punt team. But those two things are very concerning. Like I said, a coach can say one thing, but what they do on the actual football field and how they utilize players in some of these practices is what I think you're going to actually see in, in you know game situations when the season comes along. Um, I'm not saying that Antonio Gibson is going to be a third-string offense guy, right? I don't think he's going to be a second-string offensive guy. He's going to be a starter. But I think J.D. McKissick comes in and takes pass-catching work away from Antonio Gibson. I think that's clear and obvious. I think, you know, and I don't like McKissick. I don't think he's that, I don't think he's that big a deal. 
But like, is Antonio Gibson getting 50 catches again this year? 50 plus catches again? No, I don't think that's going to happen because they did like J.D. McKissick when he was there. If he doesn't make the roster, I'll feel a little bit better about the pass-catching upside that Antonio Gibson provides. But outside of that, like, if McKissick comes back and they throw the pass game role at him, you just got to watch some of these preseason games. When they're practicing two-minute, if they practice two-minute with the with the first team, who's out there? Is it Gibson? Or is it J.D. McKissick? Or is it Brian Robinson? Because that's going to dictate who gets the pass game work. And if Gibson's not in the passing game, that significantly hinders some of his upside that he provided, which was, you know, and I talked about, in the, I, this is a 180 for me this offseason because I talked about him as a potential great pick in the sixth, fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth round. I was excited about it. And I still might draft him because I do really like the player. And I think that talent wins out most of the time. So, um, you know, I, I would say Gibson is not a horrible draft selection, but you know, there's some concern there. Um, and them sticking him on the third team is, is concerning. So the pass game work makes me concerned, right? Uh, the, the fact that Brian Robinson has been practicing with the first team means they really like the kid. I don't think he starts game one, obviously, but I, I, and I, I don't mind him as a late round draft selection either, by the way, but I think there's a chance the role that Brian Robinson plays is third down back and goal line back. And if that happens, then Gibson also gets hurt at the goal. So those 10 touchdowns that you see, maybe it turns to five. Maybe he gets 30 receptions instead, right? Those two things happen. That drops Gibson out of, you know, obviously way out of the top 10 and maybe drops him into the the RB, you know, the R, like low end RB2, high end RB3 range, which at the running back position is really bleak. That's not, you can't start that on a week to week basis. So to me, I look at Antonio Gibson and, and I think, you know, I like the player. I don't know what the Washington Commanders are doing. I, I couldn't tell you. But based on the stuff that I'm seeing and based on the reports that I'm hearing, uh, it doesn't sound like good news for Antonio Gibson. And because of that, I would say that um, that brings his risk rating up significantly. That brings his riskiness up quite a lot. And um, at the end of the day, I look at Antonio Gibson as a potential, you know, um, a potential risk for your fantasy team because of that. And and sometimes there's a there's there's a place where you can take risks, right? Um, and then there's a time where there's not a place that you can take risks, and that right now is Antonio Gibson. So, um, I'm I'm nervous about Gibson. I'm nervous about Josh Jacobs. I'm nervous about. Uh, I'm nervous about James Conner. And I think that all three of those guys carry uh, some large amount of risk. James Conner more specifically with the injuries, Josh Jacobs with the new offense and Antonio Gibson with uh, whatever it is the Washington commanders are doing um, at the running back position. So um, I would just be leery of some of these guys, some other guys that I didn't actually put on the list but that I do think are risky. I think Ezekiel Elliott, he does have a good strength of schedule, but he's kind of a risky player in that same James Conner range. Like I would take Javante Williams over him. Um, I would take some other guys over him. Um, But 
you know, and Leonard Fournette, another guy, came in. He lost 20 pounds, so he's back in shape and he's ready to go. Uh, but I do have concerns about Tampa. There's been reports Brady hasn't been in camp, um, that he's been out of camp, and that there's no timeline for his return. They expect him to be back for game one, but so I don't know. Something smells fishy to me. I think there's a chance that Tom Brady retires. And it might be small, but if that happens, Leonard Fournette becomes a massive risk. Like, they don't have a quarterback to to get the job done with Brady, unless they go get Jimmy G. But, um, you know, so the way that I look at it is, I think Leonard Fournette's a risk this year. I think he outperformed his ADP last year. Um, Rick, I think, disagrees with that. I think Kamara's a little bit of a risk. Um, obviously, some of the stuff has cleared up for him, but I, I am a little bit down on Kamara this year. I still think he's a great player, and I still think he's worth being drafted in the second round. Um, another guy I considered was Elijah Mitchell. You just never know who San Francisco is going to put in there at running back. Uh, that makes me concerned. I like J.K. Dobbins this year. I like drafting J.K. Dobbins. I actually projected him to get a lot of fantasy points, but I think he does carry risk as well um, just because of the injuries and other things. So there you go. Get the, the soundtrack going. Uh, there you go. There are my top three uh, riskiest running backs in fantasy football this year uh be sure to check out our show tomorrow or whenever it's a mock draft and then more content next week as we approach the draft i'll talk to you later guys see you thank you for listening to the fantasy champions podcast make sure you subscribe on itunes and youtube and follow us on twitter at the ff champs